Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. The slow but steady economic recovery in China post-pandemic, continuous interest rate hikes from the U.S. Federal Reserve, weak semiconductor sector, and domestic demand, they all paint a pessimistic outlook for ASEAN economies. And that's despite mixed GDP growth performance last quarter. In fact, according to Oxford Economics' recent research commissioned by the Institute of Chartered Accountants' in England and Wales, the slowdown in growth is set to be more apparent in the next quarter. And that's including right here in Singapore. So to find out more about these findings and what they mean for the region, joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Dr. Arup Raha, who is the ICAEW Economic Advisor and Chief Economist for Asia Pacific at Oxford Economics. Dr. Arup Raha, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Good afternoon. Thanks very much. Good afternoon to you, too. Thank you for joining me today. You know, just to start off, what were some of the key findings of this research? Okay, you know, we did this study for on behalf of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. We at Oxford Economics, and the key findings really for... ASEAN, I wouldn't say the findings, this is economics, it's more of our analysis and what mm-hmm. we expect of the future. There's a slowdown coming. I mean, it's, it's, I think, pretty obvious. I mean, interest rates have gone up globally, mm-hmm. and that will hurt our exports. Exports are already not doing that great. If you see, it's negative numbers almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was a boost during the pandemic when there was massive demand for goods, and we did well, but then after that, things normalized and people went into services. Mm-hmm. So our exports are hurting. And part of that is going to spill over onto the domestic economy. Mm-hmm. The main thing that the way we see it in most countries right now is that there was a pretty bad shock to balance sheets mm-hmm. that took place during the pandemic. Yeah. Now, this could have been household balance sheets, firms' balance sheets, government balance sheets. But in general, there was a hit to balance sheets. Mm-hmm. And you're now going to go through a period where there's going to be balance sheet repair. So, you know, we are going to save more. Uh, from, you know, governments are going to tighten their belts. Firms are tightening their belts. So you're really not going to get that sort of demand that is needed for growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good news is that balance sheets are still relatively strong. The structural Mm -hmm. damage has been limited. The cost is going to come that during the period of repair, we are going to pay the price for growth. That was anyway there. Now add in higher oil prices, add in higher U.S. interest rates, add in the fact that the global economy is expected to slow. And so this is going to be a relatively challenging period coming up. Okay, okay. So you mentioned several of the factors that are leading to the slow growth in the region, including higher interest rates, the COVID-19 pandemic, and higher oil prices there. So what kind of factors could help spur growth in the region then? Well, there's some there's some help coming. I mean, ultimately, you can't really control your exports, right? Uh-huh. That depends on global demand, and it's not looking too great in the United States, given how much they've raised interest rates. You're gonna, the economy is held up reasonably well, but we do expect that it will mm-hmm. slow. China, you've already seen a slowdown coming. Europe, mm-hmm. there is already some sort of a challenge going on. So mm-hmm. you don't really expect exports to do well. Similarly, domestically, even as inflations come off, interest rates have stayed high. So you've seen a certain amount of pressure on real interest rates. 
you've also seen oil prices go high. So the, so the question you're asking is where do we see the bright spot is our resilience, mm-hmm. that we've had strong balance sheets going into it. We've learned our lessons from previous crises. Mm-hmm. And so we are being able to withstand this without significant damage to balance sheets and hence Asian economy's ability to respond mm-hmm. is is going to be reasonably good coming out of it. Mm-mm. Okay, yeah. okay. So what does the report kind of imply about the economic outlook for the ASEAN region then? I mean, how is it set to perform compared to other regions? Is ASEAN lagging behind other regions like the West? Well, ASEAN's a big place. And if you if you look at, well, well, the West has been behind, at least the U.S. has been behind in terms of the slowdown, okay. right? If you, if you look at parts of Asia, and in, and in particular, say, in ASEAN, uh, Malaysia, has been hit because the semiconductor industry has gone through a downturn. Mm-hmm. Malaysia, of course, been helped by you know higher energy prices, but the semiconductor part has has hurt it. Mm-hmm. The semiconductor part has also hurt uh, you know countries in North Asia, Korea, Taiwan, but that in turn has affected Singapore too. Mm-hmm. So you've seen that that part. So we are a mixed bag. I mean, I, I can't tell you for sure that ASEAN is lagging other places because if you look at a Singapore, if you look at you know I mean, Korea, Taiwan is not ASEAN, but Singapore, uh, their growth slowdown has been very much there. I mean, the government expects you know somewhere around you know half a percent to a little mm-hmm. bit more growth so this year. We are at a similar number, zero point four percent. So mm-hmm. the hits are there in terms of. Uh, uh, where ASEAN is. The two exceptions that have been in ASEAN, Malaysia mm-hmm. and Indonesia, but they are energy exporters. Indonesia mm-hmm. in particular has benefited. So Okay, okay. But what about Singapore's economy in particular? How does Singapore compare to the rest of ASEAN? Difficult question. It's obviously done worse than in Indonesia, but we 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 think that Singapore is going to be okay because it's structurally very strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this, there's a cyclical element to it that took place because of the slowdowns during COVID. But COVID also caused structural damage. I mean, mm-hmm. various balance sheets got affected during the COVID times. Mm-hmm. How well you were able to withstand the slowdown from COVID, how well your balance sheets held up, held up is going to determine the future path of growth. Mm-hmm. And in Singapore's case, both with, you know, the government was proactive. They had a couple of large packages to help out, uh, you know, the consumers, to help out the people. So the damage to the balance sheet wasn't that great. Uh, The firms also, similarly, the damage to balance sheets wasn't very much. Mm -hmm. The government took a hit, but the government could afford it. And in any case, you're now seeing slightly higher taxes to repair it. So I'd say that if you split the two up, cyclically, Singapore got pretty badly hit. After all, it depends on the region, exports, semiconductors, etc. But structurally, Singapore has held up really well. Okay, okay. But is there a particular sector that is dragging the growth here in Singapore? I mean, it's electronics. Okay. I mean, that's that's been... Look at Singapore and also look at North Asia, right? Look at yeah. what's happening with Korea and Taiwan. Uh, that's really been it. That's, that's dragged uh, mm. Singapore. Singapore's engine of growth, for better or for worse, lies abroad. Mm. I mean, it's very, very open, right? I mean, exports right. are close to, yeah. Mm. So what are the implications of the growth slowdown in Singapore? Will, you know, growth pick up over time? When do you expect some steady growth here in Singapore? 
Well, the short answer is yes, we do expect growth to pick up. The question is when. Mm. Let me give you the good news first, and then I'll tell you what the, what the pickup is. <laughs> okay. well, the good news is that this is, this is not our first crisis, right? Mm-hmm. We had a big one in 97, 98, the Asian mm-hmm. financial crisis, and we had the global financial crisis in 2008. So this is not our first crisis. We've learned our lessons. We've been able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And as far as private sector balance sheets in Singapore are concerned, they've been relatively resilient to what's mm-hmm. happened. Now, when will Singapore growth pick up really depends on the global economy because it depends on, on, on how we finally get our exports going, which is, which is going to help. And right now, the global economy is the brunt of the slowdown probably lies ahead because you've seen interest rates go up. And real interest rates have gone out by a lot because inflation's come down, but interest rates haven't responded yet. Mm -hmm. So real interest rates have gone up, and now oil prices going up. The two giants on whom we rely, the U.S. and China, the U.S., the slowdown is ahead. China has been struggling for a while. So it's going to be a struggle. Mm. And I think what we expect next year is going to be a struggle. But beyond Singapore, you know, the positive trend of falling headline inflation is expected to continue across the rest of ASEAN. And that's notwithstanding generally stickier core inflation. So, Arup, high inflation, it's been a major pain point this year. And it's fortunately showing signs of decline. Does that mean we'll continuously see a drop in inflation? Well, we should. We should. There is a wild card here because yes inflation's come off from its peaks and it's come out quite sharply and it's come out it's come down maybe surprising a lot of people mm. however we don't know the extent of supply side bottlenecks mm. if you even if you look at singapore inflation is still much higher than what we are used to and we, whether it will come down to the sort of levels that we were used to seeing in Singapore and how long it will take is a wild card because it really depends on when supply-side bottlenecks ease. I mean, if you look at, say, say for example, if you look at hotel prices mm-hmm. in Singapore, occupancy rates are nowhere near back to what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Yet hotel room prices are higher than what they used to be, which tells you that there's a supply side issue. Mm. You see similar bottlenecks there. So we do expect inflation to come down, but we don't expect it to come down back to sort of the 1% levels that we were used to Mm -hmm. seeing before. But I don't think that governments will mind so much if they're slightly higher inflation, Mm -hmm. because the one thing we do know is that over the course of this crisis, debt levels have gone up. Mm. And you, if you, you can't really attack debt that much, but you can try and erode the real value of debt, mm. which is probably the route that they'll go. So I think policy will get loosened even when inflation probably stays a little bit higher. And to be honest, you don't have to look that far. You can, you can look at several inflation-targeting banks in the region. I mean, we have, we have Indonesia next door where they stopped raising rates, mm-hmm. even when inflation was well above target. Right. You have Korea in the north, they did exactly the same thing. So I think central banks are recognizing that the balance of risks Mm-hmm. Between worrying about inflation and worrying about growth, it may be time to worry more about growth and the potential institutional damage that poor growth could do. Mm. 
Mm-mm. Okay, okay. But against this backdrop then, you know, central banks in the region, they are likely to have reached the peak of their rate hiking cycles. Right. So our group, you know, central banks, they're expected to or have already started cutting interest rates. Or is, is there a possibility that, you know, that central banks in the region will shift back to tighter monetary conditions given that the U.S. Fed has, you know, renewed its vow to keep interest rates higher for longer? Will, will the central banks here in the region follow suit? Very good question. I mean, if I look at the economies domestically, Mm -hmm. It should be cutting. There's no reason. Inflation's come down quite a bit. Growth is the real risk, and hence the spillover onto financial institutions. Mm -hmm. So if I were them, I'd cut. There are two Mm -hmm. wild cards in here, two, two, two things. One is the U.S. Fed. As you rightly point out, there's a risk that they could, they're not done. Mm. We think they are done, but it's going to take a while before they cut, but they may not be done. And if you look at the Fed's latest statement, they they stopped. They didn't hike, but they Mm. pointed to the risks of doing that. The second is what energy prices are doing, Mm -hmm. because they've gone up quite a bit in the last week. They came off, but they're much higher than what people had expected. And you really don't know how this one is going to go, because it's completely driven by supply-side issues. Mm-hmm. So these two remain risks. I don't think the net outcome is going to be higher interest rates. I think the inflation problem has been, if not solved, has been at least curtailed for, for mm-hmm. a period of time and is going to be under control. And central banks, as I pointed out, you can see the example of Indonesia or Korea, they've clearly signaled that they would that they now believe that the greater risk comes from growth. And the spillovers, so they actually stopped raising rates even when inflation was above target. Mm -hmm. So I think if central banks have to raise rates, it will be extremely reluctantly. We don't think that's going to happen. What we think is more likely is that if these risks persist and inflation stays high, then any cuts in interest rates may get delayed. What about in Singapore? Do you expect the MAS to hold rates once again in October? We think they're going to go to neutral. Mind you, they never go easy. <laughs> They've never done that. But we think that, I mean, look at the growth numbers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they are, you're looking at half a percent to one percent growth. I think that they will change and go more neutral. Maybe not in October, but early <laughs> next year. Yeah. All righty. And before yeah. we let you go here, Arup, how will the central bank and authorities help boost growth in Singapore? Well, I, I don't think it's it's that much in their hands, to be honest. I mean, it really, what, what matters for Singapore is what happens with global growth mm-hmm. and hence what happens with the external sector. What the central bank can do is to maintain price stability, help maintain financial sector stability, and that is more the larger goal. I'm not sure how much it can do in terms of, and after all, growth is not so much domestically led. Mm-hmm. It's led from abroad. So the growth story is going to depend on what happens abroad, mm-hmm. but MAS has a role in maintaining price stability, which you know they are, they, they are keeping policy tight even when growth is quite slow, which tells me that their eyes are firmly on the ball. Right. Well, thank you so so much, Dr. Arup Raha, for your time and your insights today. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Arup Raha, who is the ICAEW Economic Advisor and Chief Economist for Asia Pacific at Oxford Economics. I'm Hong Win Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.